You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Women's Hope Podcast, a production of the Masters University. We've missed you, and we're so glad to be back in the studio recording. It's Very nice glad. to see you, Kimberly. <laughs> um, I think the summer is just flying by, and so here we are. Um, but today, Kim and I have a special treat for our listening audience. Uh, we get to introduce two really special women who have co-written a wonderful book that is going to help all of us with what to say to fellow believers who are struggling spiritually. But not only that, not only what to say, but how to say mm. it well. Good. So let me begin by introducing our guests. Today we have Cheryl Marshall. Uh, she has a Master's of Ministry from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is my alma mater. <laughs> she is also a wife, mom, counselor, and Bible teacher, she has over 25 years of experience teaching and discipling women in the local church, and she currently serves as the Director of Women's Counseling at Founders Baptist Church in Spring, Texas. Our listening audience can connect with Cheryl at CherylMarshall.com. My special connection uh, that I have with Cheryl that I actually found out later after we were introduced at an ACBC conference is her mom, Leona, was part of my church, and she was in my fellowship group when she lived here in California before she moved back to Texas. Wow. Um, but it's really a small, small world when you think about it. Um, our next guest is Caroline Neuheiser. It's so exciting for me to introduce Caroline because she actually has been a dear friend of mine for the last 15 or so years. In fact, I just got back from visiting her in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, where she resides with her husband, Jim Neuheiser. Caroline is an ACBC certified counselor, and she has her MACC from Reformed Theological Seminary. She's also been a pastor's wife to Jim for over 30 years and is currently an assistant coordinator of Women's Counseling at RTS, where her husband also teaches and oversees the biblical counseling program there. She has a website where you can connect with her at carolineneuheiser.com. Now, the book that Cheryl and Caroline have written together is entitled, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. Very needed. And we want to thank Crossway Publishing for sending Kim and I a pre-published copy so that we could be blessed with its content, and our listening audience will be blessed as well when the book is going to be released to the public on September 21st. But I understand that this book is actually ready for pre-order today on Amazon.com. That's right. You can pre-order it. So as soon as you hear us talking about it, get on Amazon and order that book. But ladies, Kim and I are just so excited that you've joined us today, mm -hmm. and we just want to wish you a, a, a just a lovely California welcome. Well, <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much. We're happy to be here. So in California, we say you guys. You guys, not y'all. Y'all say oh, yeah, that y'all in Texas. Y'all, yeah. <laughs> y'all. <laughs> I'm a mixture of the two, so you'll hear me go back and forth on that one. <laughs> 
So we want to get right into our questions. And the first question I have is for you, Cheryl. And first of all, I do want to thank both of you for writing this book and helping women to speak biblically as well as graciously in a day when this gift of graciousness that has been wrought through Jesus Christ is severely being overlooked. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see the church has bought into the culture's lie that being overtly opinionated and expressing those opinions on every social media format is somehow good and necessary. And so I really felt like this book is going to be a good tool to bring women back to the center of where they need to be. Because maybe we're not engaging in those conversations, but we're reading them. And when we read them, we even begin to let that kind of conversation soak in. And we forget whose behalf we're speaking on. And so, Cheryl, with that being said, I knew that I was going to love this book. And Caroline, I don't know which one of you, I don't remember, offered this quote, but it's one of my favorite quotes. And I had actually used it speaking this summer. And it's by J.C. Ryle, who is also one of my favorite authors. And it says, Our Lord has many weak children in his family, many dull pupils in his school, many raw soldiers in his army, many lame sheep in his flock. Yet he bears with them all and casts none away. Happy is the Christian who has learned to do likewise with his brethren. So when I saw that quote, I was like, okay, these ladies get it. (laughs) And it was just amazing to me, the timing that I had just used that quote as well. But Cheryl, I was also blessed to learn that we have a very dear mutual friend, Kristen. And I love how our bond in Christ has given us this mutual sister And I want to mention this mutual uh, relationship for a reason. This bond that we have is so precious. And we have been given a family that God has chosen for us for all of eternity. And that alone should have an influence on our conversations here on earth. And we should take the words that we speak to our sisters in Christ very seriously. There is enough empty chatter coming from the world, and we don't want to resemble the world in our speech. So while we're in the world, we will need each other, and we will need to counsel and disciple each other with the Word of God. My hubby says, when someone comes to you with a concern or issue, the words that come out of your mouths in response are counseling or discipleship, whether we realize it or not. So with that being said, Cheryl, there are many books on the market about relationships, conversations, and words, but your book has a unique emphasis on speaking scripture and biblical truth. Why is that such a strong focus for your book? Well, Caroline and I wrote this book because we recognize that there are many Christian women who desire to speak biblical wisdom and encouragement into the lives of people they care about. Uh, you know, We see friends and family members who are suffering or they're struggling with sin, and we and many Christian women wish to be helpful to them, to know the right thing to say, especially from the scriptures. But sometimes we don't know exactly what to say or how to say it. And so we wrote this book to help meet that need, to help women to say, 
you know, I see what God's word says and I see how this can be helpful to my friend and I want to communicate that with her and how can I do that well? Just this morning, I was reading Romans 12, 1 and 2. And in the second verse, as you know, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And Caroline and I understand that we and those that we love, we cannot live lives that glorify God without our minds being renewed. Mm -hmm. And our minds are only going to be renewed by the Word of God, not the advice we give each other, not the personal advice, the personal opinions. There's so much of that out there that really what is transformative is the Word of God taken to heart by faith. And so our lives are changed and our minds are renewed by Scripture. And so that's why this book is so full of scripture. We emphasize speaking scripture and biblical truth to one another in the book because we know it's God's word applied by the spirit of God that brings change into the life of a believer. Mm -hmm. And so if we can be messengers or carriers of God's word to one another, that's really a beautiful and a powerful thing. And it glorifies the Lord. Yeah, I really appreciate, Cheryl, um, just your high view really, of God's Word, uh, just the acknowledgement of its sufficiency um, and authority in our life, and I really appreciate that. My question is for Caroline. I get to ask Caroline questions this morning. <laughs> Caroline, in the book, you actually shared with the readers that you had started running several years ago, and I remember <laughs> when you and Jim decided on this endeavor, <laughs> which even yeah. included a few marathons. That's impressive. It's marathons. very impressive. <laughs> So thank you, by the way, um, as just kind of a side note, for just walking with me while I was visiting <laughs> with you all and not insisting that we run together. <laughs> but anyway, um, your story of training and setting goals for yourself for an upcoming run really became a wonderful um, opening illustration of the importance of some goals that are laid out for every believer in Ephesians 4.13. From it, you mentioned that the Apostle Paul gives us three goals to pursue for building up the body of Christ. Can you take some time to explain to our listening audience what those three goals are and then why you believe they're so important for women to keep in mind and to pursue? I'm glad you asked that question, Shelby. And we want to, um, maybe I'll read Ephesians 4.13 to start us off. And it's Paul writing to the uh, leaders of the church saying that they're all equipped for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And the goals are there until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So unity of the faith is a real emphasis we need right now in this day and age with people from different cultures and backgrounds and uh, life experience. So the unity of the faith is what we want to stress because our we want our book to be useful for all kinds of people. Um, as we think about speaking together the truths of Scripture, especially the gospel, so we want to build each other up in uh, reading, studying, we're thinking about Scripture and applying it together, and encouraging others in the faith. So that's the first goal for building each other up. And the second one is abstract, but it's that we want knowledge of the Son of God. And this is really the heart of our message, that we all want to know Christ. We want to know what we should believe and receive 
about him. We want to build up the body by just glorifying the Lord. And that strengthens us. It helps us to, again, find unity in the things that are truly important. And the third goal is, as you said, maturity. As Paul's writing here, maturity in Christ to mature manhood. So as we know him, then the next goal is to become like him. Because we are all part of the heavenly family and we all seek to serve him together as we follow him. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is so so encouraging, first of all, just from the book of Ephesians and biblical unity, right? Mm-hmm. And when it's when it's founded on scripture, we can do these things. Uh, we have the spirit of Christ and so we are able to converse in a manner that is going to glorify God and not just converse, but really encourage, right? Because this book is to bring encouragement. And even you mentioned admonishment in the book, but let's switch it up a little bit. We've talked about the relationship within the body of Christ. How about those relationships we have with those who don't know Christ? Their worldview is different than ours. Their resources for communication are different than ours. Uh, Their moral compass is set to a different trajectory. So my question is this, Cheryl, when speaking with an unbelieving friend, should you still use scripture when she discusses a, a personal problem or a particular problem with you and why? That's a really good question, and I believe it's a question that many Christians wrestle with. Um, in their own experiences with unbelieving friends and family. And a few thoughts come to mind on that, but I, what might be helpful is to start with a big picture. And the big picture is this, really big picture, that God created the world in which we live, and He is the ruler over all. And He's given us His Word so that we can understand this world, so that we can understand Him, and so that we can even understand ourselves. And if there's a Christian woman listening right now who is wondering if she should use scripture when speaking with an unbelieving loved one, I would encourage her to remember that even though her friend may not acknowledge God, she needs his truth. She desperately needs his word because without it, she will never know the Lord. And without it, she'll never know how to live rightly before him. So basically the big picture is this, whether a person knows the Lord or acknowledges him, or doesn't know him, or doesn't acknowledge him, she still needs the truth of his word. And so to withhold that from her is really doing her a disservice. And in the chapter we wrote called Those We Love, we actually addressed this issue of how do you speak with an unbelieving friend? And the question we actually answer is this, can I still use God's word when talking with someone without about her problems, even though she denies Christ? And we answered yes for these reasons. First of all, Jesus opens the minds to understand. Jesus opens the mind to understand the scriptures. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so perhaps God will use your words, your scripture saturated conversation to draw him, to draw her to himself. Uh, The psalmist says, it was good that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And so God can use his word in her struggles to open her eyes to her need for him. And secondly, Jesus commands us to make disciples. And part of making disciples is teaching others what God has taught us. And so as a believing friend, you have such a unique opportunity to share with her 
what God has personally taught you from His Word through your own time of struggle. And just to clarify, that doesn't mean that you chapter and verse everything when you're talking with her, and you don't have to be quoting long passages of Scripture with your unbelieving friend, but rather it's in your natural conversation as you're loving her, as you're encouraging her and giving her advice that what you say should be rooted and saturated with biblical truth that God has taught you in your own life. And of course, there may be times that you specifically say something like, you know, well, in the Bible, it says such and such. But either way, whether you're just speaking out of your heart and God's word in your heart, or you're sharing a Bible verse with her, you have a platform to teach her what God has taught you. And, and that is that has quite an impact on a friend. And the third reason why we believe that you can still be sharing God's word with an unbeliever in her struggle is this, and so important. Jesus is the ultimate wisdom that the unbeliever needs. It can be tempting when you're talking with a friend to just simply give her advice to help her life run better or things to go more smoothly in her life, but that doesn't help her with her greatest burden, and that's her sin. So as you have opportunity to direct her to Christ as Savior with the Scriptures, um, take that opportunity give that to her because when she knows Christ, she will receive the wisdom she needs for all of life, for all of, for all that she goes through. Yeah. Thank you, Cheryl. I, I just love, I love how you are approaching this in a very great commission kind of a way. Because Jesus, familiar. It does sound familiar. <laughs> I love the Christ-centeredness. I love the, uh, just thinking through how we are commissioned by Christ himself to disciple through proclaiming Christ and coming alongside others who know Christ and teaching them the very things we've been taught by Christ. Um, that's just wonderful. And I thank you again just for your uh, just high view of God and His Word. And again, sufficient even for the unbeliever. We don't have to argue people into the kingdom. Thankfully. We, just, <laughs> we have to be, right? right? And so I, I really appreciate that view. And um, I know that it will not return void, as they say. So now, Caroline, I'm going to ask you a question from the chapter you all wrote on the gracious friend. Um, mm -hmm. You bring up a really important characteristic of a gracious friend, which is somebody who fosters hope because they themselves are full of hope. And I just love that picture. Um, I think that you are that person in my life, actually. Aww. And I want to be that person myself, um, and I'm sure many others as well. And so can you explain to our listening audience what you mean by that line? And then follow up with why it's so important to be a person who communicates hope or who speaks with hope. I'm glad you asked that, Shelby, because we have a section of our book on the conversation of a gracious friend. So we want to talk about content, what we say, but also how we say it. So speaking with hope is what we want to help women to think about, that we don't convince people of the truth by just saying words, but also the way we say them. Hope is, like Shelby said, it's uh, kind of felt. We um, know that, for example, if I can say, I have really confidence in your ability to get through this trial because I know how good God is. Just that statement will encourage a woman and give her hope. It's actually confident expectation, is our quote, confident expectation of God's goodness and 
faithfulness. So we ask women to think, are you also transmitting personally what you feel about what you're saying? And I've seen time and time again the role that hope plays in helping women to just say, all right, I can see God can help me. But also you're communicating how God has helped you. So we're saying, I can look back and see, I've been through something similar and I've seen God work. My hope for you is based on my own experience. So it's like the illustration of lifting up Moses' arms. (laughs) Moses was having to direct the battle and yet he needed help lifting his arms to keep steady. And that's what the role of a gracious friend should be. Amen. I love it. I do too. I I am encouraged. And, you know, I am amazed of just the, even the timing of this. I was sitting across the table yesterday with a couple who desperately needed hope and um, portraying that. And I just found myself literally at a loss for words. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what, what have I just read in this book to be mindful of and to put the focus on the work of Jesus Christ um, as I try to encourage them who has brought our hope to us. And we, we long for that hope continued in the finished work when we are no longer here on this earth. And that sets our, our focus, right? So mm-hmm. I, I was already using your book yesterday. So, so thank you for that. Now, clearly, oh, that's encouraging. <laughs> and, you know, Shelby can attest to this. I'm not usually at a loss for words. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so it was that severe of a, a concern of my heart and just knowing that it's common to man, but yet the Lord shows that we are capable of providing hope because of what he's done. And I like how Caroline connected it with a high view of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if we're pointing, like you have said over and over, to experiences or advice that the world gives, you know, it's empty and it's futile. So, so Kimberly, could I ask you a question? Was that a was that a um, more of a formal counseling situation that you were sitting in? No, it was over lunch. It was okay. over lunch, and we had yeah. just received word. You know, it was just at the dinner table of heartbreaking right. news. You know, so you're just right. kind of like a deer in the headlights, right? You know, like, oh, wow, didn't see yeah. that coming. But yet God sees all and he knows and he providentially put us together in that situation so that we could offer hope and that right. we could offer encouragement that comes through Christ. And that's what we see in Philippians. If there is any encouragement in Christ, means since there is encouragement in Christ. And so, you know, by God's grace, we we power through those things, right? Uh, but yeah, it was just a personal conversation, Cheryl. <laughs> well, I just I just love hearing stories like that and just hearing about that because Caroline and my concern was just to be able to share these things with women who are in the pew, right? Your everyday Christian woman, not someone who's necessarily a counselor, but just the people who are having everyday conversations and how do we how do we use God's word and like Caroline was saying how do we share the hope of Christ and the hope of his wisdom and just those everyday conversations because we all have them they pop up like you said like at the when you least expect it right um 
So that's great. Yeah. Oh, and this book is immensely practical. And this book is not just for a woman who is a ACBC counselor. This book is for every Christian woman. And I want to emphasize that because I because we are counselors, because the two of you are counselors, right? We uh, we don't want people to think that this book is just for counselors. So that does lead me into my next question, Cheryl. What would you say to the woman who feels ill-equipped or like me yesterday, surprised when you hear of someone's trial and their struggle and how to encourage them? Uh, or maybe they're fearful to speak biblical truth into the life of someone that she loves, what would you say to encourage her to take the step today? Well, first of all, I would say that you're not alone. I don't know any Christian woman who hasn't felt ill-equipped or fearful in this area of her life at some point. And I really believe that this is a very common experience. Um, and I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation or trial has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who not let you be tempted or tried beyond what you're able, but with that will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so you feeling inadequate or afraid is normal, but I also believe it's good because in that God teaches you humility and to depend upon Him for the help you need to have those kind of conversations. And so a couple things I would remind a woman in that position to remember is number one, that you have the Spirit of God, that He's within you to empower you to obey Him and to speak His wisdom when it's needed. Secondly, you have the Word of God. And as I believe Shelby mentioned earlier, it will accomplish the purposes for whatever God has sent it for, whether it's for encouraging your friend or bringing hope into her thinking and into her life as as Caroline mentioned, or even to bring conviction of sin, whatever that may be, God will use the word that you bring for his good purposes. And thirdly, you have the grace of God in your weakness. So he will give you the power or help you need to have that conversation um, when you need that. But something I was thinking about was this, and, and we do discuss this at the end of the book. I would encourage a woman who is considering this kind of conversation, but she's maybe fearful, is to go back and read Exodus 3 and 4 and just read through the account of Moses at the burning bush. And basically in that conversation, Moses is having an argument with God and he's laying out the reasons why he should not go or why he can't go speak to Pharaoh and the Israelites who are enslaved in Egypt. And he discusses his inadequacies and possibly his fears. And through that process, the Lord addresses those things and he promises his power, he promises his provision, he promises his presence, and he reiterates to Moses that I am with you, I will help you, I will provide for you whatever you need to have these conversations. And I believe that the Lord still promises us the same things today. He gives us his power, his presence, and his provision. So if you are a woman who's considering some conversations that you'd like to have with loved ones and but you feel inadequate and you're maybe even fearful. I'd say pray through these things, read through these things, and then step out and have those conversations and trust the Lord with what He will do with them. Yeah, I just love that because you're you're encouraging women to 
be filled from the truth before they go forward and speak truth to somebody right. else. And it's always so encouraging to read about someone like Moses, who, you know, we know who Moses is, and, and we wouldn't think, wow, here's someone that, you know, was seemingly weak um, in their character at one time, and yet we just have a wonderful narrative to learn from, and he accomplished so much. So thank you for that, Cheryl. I love that. Um, well, my my next question um, is for Caroline, um, and I was thinking through the fact that we've all been counselors for many years, um, all four of us, actually. So we do know what it's like um, to help uh, women who are suffering and who are hurting in many different kinds of ways. And I, I did want to say that you you both did a great job of just bringing out a variety of issues and problems that women face. Um, but like you were saying, Cheryl, your hope, your heart's desire is that this book would help um, all women in the body of Christ to be able to counsel one another. That's Romans 15, 14, right? That we should all be able to counsel one another. And, you know, like Moses, people are fearful at times when they're called to the task. Um, but when it does come to speaking truth, Caroline, with grace, to those you love, um, for those who really haven't had experience or who have not been formally trained, how might an eternal perspective really impact uh, those conversations, would you say? I appreciate you applying this to so many people who will be listening to this podcast um, because we may not have all, ex- all have experience, but the closer we know Jesus and the closer we are to his word, we can give answers. And when we're talking to somebody who's suffering, we probably tend to think about how can I help this person relieve their suffering? Maybe some practical ideas, which we mentioned in the book, but that's more on a horizontal level of helping someone just with the issue, say, of um, grieving a loved one. But if we think of person who's suffering and involved in this world, it helps to just step back and think of ourselves as having eternity ahead of us. So believers who know that one day they will be with the Lord are able to endure suffering. And we see examples in um, Job, for example. In chapter 19, he says, In my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. So he's suffering physical, mental, emotional anguish. And yet his hope of heaven, will it lifts him up. It makes him able to endure if he thinks, one day I will see my Redeemer, that he lives. So that's good for us to remember to tell that to someone who, um, like my friend Joy, who's blind. She has never seen anything in her whole life. But to think about eternity where she will be able to see is encouraging her. It's keeping her moving forward. But some of us may want to think about how God will actually redeem his people and punish those who are persecuting us. Uh, In Revelation, we're told that the saints cry out from under the throne. Revelation 6, 9 through 10, they said, How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So there is future to come. And this is helpful for people, say, who um, have experienced 
the murder of one of their family members and longing for justice and grieving that. But to know God will set things right is a tremendous relief to them. And we can apply Romans twelve nineteen that we're never to avenge ourselves, but we are to leave it to the wrath of God. God will repay, he says. So again, that's bringing eternity into the, the everyday picture. But there are others of us who struggle with um, battling sin. And we think, how long must I endure this battle? And it seems like it's always coming back. And when can I find relief? But to know if we endure through the end, if we, we strive for that goal that's way out ahead of us in eternity, we will have rest. We'll be given the perfect rest. Um, my husband calls this practical eschatology. <laughs> Just how to move forward, knowing that future is coming. This world is not all there is. And it's a help to us even to think there are treasures and rewards to come. Um, we may not think that's really the highest motivation, but it's true. It's a reality. The Bible speaks of it. Jesus speaks about rewards often. And he says, remember, you're storing up treasure for the future. That uh, thought is helpful for the mom who's just working day in, day out in her family, trying to serve little kids and husband and just thinking, I don't know, is this worth it? But God sees. And this is, again, eternity breaking into her world, saying, yeah, there's something to come. Keep enduring. There is a, a medal at the end of the race. And uh, God does reward his people. Well, I'm encouraged. I am so encouraged. <laughs> and it's very practical, too. Well, and you think you, you mentioned storing up treasures, you know, in heaven from Matthew 6. And, you know, the world tells us to do the opposite because, you know, our treasure is supposedly here. But we're not taking it with us. <laughs> no, no, none of the things that, you know, we hold dear here on earth come with unless it's soul related. And so when we consider the soul of a person and that that's where the deepest need is, um, then we can we can store up treasures in heaven, right? And invest in eternity. So thank you so much for that. So Cheryl... Yes. <laughs> the theme of our podcast is encouraging women to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And we desire for our listeners to be spiritually well-rounded. Jesus was filled with grace and truth. And so we have the perfect model. So my question for you, Cheryl, is what would you say are the core qualities that would define a gracious woman? Wow, there's so much that can be said to answer that question. But as Caroline and I were thinking about the gracious woman, we tried to, I still remember us where I was sitting as we were discussing together by phone, what are those core qualities? If we were to boil it down to three character qualities of a gracious woman, meaning a woman who speaks with love and kindness into the lives of those in her sphere of influence, what would those be? And we boiled it down to three. And I know that 
we could add more seriously, but for now, just three of those. And the first one is that a gracious woman is spirit-filled. And when we say spirit-filled, what we mean is that she lives under the control or the influence of the spirit, and she delights in God's word, and she seeks to live her life according to it. And the wonderful thing about this is that as she is delighting in God's word, you see the evidences of that. The fruit of the spirit is growing in her life because she is saturating herself with God's word. And as a woman who has experienced the grace of God in her own life, she's experienced his forgiveness. She's experienced his mercy and his kindness. The evidences of his grace are then growing in her own life. And she's able to turn around and be gracious towards others. The second character quality of a gracious woman, we would say then, is that she is humble, that she has a humble heart, and that she is a friend who does not think highly of herself, but she gives preference to others with honor. And that's reflected not just in her behavior and her attitudes, but also with her speech and her words. And so in conversation, she's learned not to be selfish or self-centered, but to consider others' needs in those conversations as more important than herself. And one of the key things of seeing that humility in her life is that she has patience and understanding with the weaknesses and failures of others because she knows her own weaknesses and her own failures, and she understands her own need for grace. And so when she's having a conversation with a friend who is sharing some heartache or some struggle, she doesn't respond with shock and surprise or, or look down upon her friend, but that she rather just says, you know what, from her heart, she can say, I, I may not be exactly in your shoes, but I understand weakness. I understand frailty and um, I love you and I'm going to walk alongside with you. But she does that with humility. And then lastly, that the gracious friend is loyal. Basically, she's committed to your good no matter what. She's faithful. You know you can always <laughs> count on her. Like the Bible says, she weeps with those who weep. You can rely on her emotionally and physically in the hard times. And then she rejoices with those who rejoice. So when you have a victory or a reason to celebrate in your own life, she's happy with you and she's thankful with you. And the sweetest aspect, I believe, of a loyal friend is this, is that even when you are difficult to love, she continues to love you and that you can count on her to always be there for you. I love those descriptions. And it gives us a lot of hope because we know that we're becoming of those things in That's progressive right, sanctification. Right. And I'm, I'm encouraged. So thank you for that, Cheryl. Both you and Caroline exemplify those characteristics, which I'm very thankful for. Mm. You guys are a model. You're not just, you know, writing it or as they say, preaching it, but you're living it too. And it, you're the real deal. So thank you. Well, I think there are many times as we were writing the book that Caroline and I would have a conversation, maybe it came up at times. I know I thought it personally at times that, wow, <laughs> I, I'm learning as I go along here. And there are things that I can continue to grow and applying in my own life. And I'm sure Caroline felt the same way. Yeah, amen. I mean, that's that's the word of God. The more you're Absolutely. in it, the more it exposes things mm -hmm. in our hearts that right. we either, what, need to repent of or grow in. And it's mm -hmm. just wonderful, just a wonderful progressive work that the Lord does. But So speaking of God's word, Caroline, um, in the book, you all emphasize that transforming work of God's word. And I really thought chapter six was just masterfully done. 
I even used it in my own research for a class that I'm teaching this fall. So thank you, ladies, for just um, upholding and embracing an authoritative, inerrant, clear, and sufficient word. That's what I'm going to be speaking on as well. But Caroline, can you explain and elaborate a little bit more what the Word of God specifically accomplishes in the life of a believer? I would be glad to talk about that. I mean, we could talk about the beauty of Scripture <laughs> so much all day long because right. that is really what our book wants to emphasize. That's what we want to make evident to distinguish us from all the other books out there. We uh, spoke about it at the beginning. So Scripture is where we focus because we don't want to think of ourselves as giving advice just to um, of what we think is normal or from our own background, but we want to specifically start with knowing God. I mean, Scripture teaches us who God is, which is our highest calling, is to love and worship Him. So we like to bring the attributes of God who just suffered and really could not get a grasp because of a faulty view of God. This is where a loving friend does come along and say, I have an answer. It's not mine. It's in the Bible. But as as you mentioned progressive sanctification, just to find that a little bit, it would be those of us who are starting on the road to becoming Christ-like, but aren't there. (laughs) We are continually being sanctified. And this is, again, a work of the scripture Because we don't know what God wants except for what he says in his word. And this is way better than conscience or way better than whatever impulses you have. But it is based on scripture, based on what God says of how we can obey him. Psalm 119 is the psalm that tells us how beautiful scripture is. And then in verse 30, it says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. This is where we will be transformed by having God's word in our hearts, in our minds. And then we'll see thirdly that scriptures makes us wise. It makes us wise for salvation. It makes us wise for living life. Book of Proverbs shows how we can have a straight path by following his word. We meditate on his word. We learn answers to questions. And people may say, well, I don't know if the word speaks to how I should invest my money. But we can say, yes, there are truths and principles in the word of God. That's why each one of us needs to know scripture. And if we don't know, we go to someone who does know (laughs) And we ask those questions because it addresses principles of life by which we can grow in wisdom. And scripture, we've already mentioned, has the role of encouraging us, bringing us that eternal perspective, bring us out of the everyday and into pleasing God. I hope in your words, says Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, makes us that shows us how we're being sanctified, how we're becoming wise, and it encourages us to hide God's word in our hearts so that we can follow his path. And, you know, all four of us and those who are listening can testify of the blessing we have in just knowing scripture. It's coming to -to face-to-face with the Lord through Christ who's given himself for us and shows us God himself. And 
as we each study the scripture, we find riches. It's funny when I talk to several women in one day, I will sometimes give them each one the same passage I studied in my morning devotions <laughs> because it impacted me so much. The more all of us can interact with the word and apply it to our hearts, the more the blessing we will have and God will also bless us with truth and wisdom. So encouraging. And and I love what you said about using one passage in several different circumstances. I was discipling some women one time, and we were doing a scripture memory program. And they would almost challenge me because they noticed that whatever passage we were memorizing that week, that I was using it in various circumstances within the, the body life of church that week. And they were like, we want to count how many different ways you used that passage to encourage or, you know, in a, in a situation. And that's the power of God's word bearing on our lives. And I'm glad to know I'm not the only one because I did get teased for that a little bit. <laughs> Um, well, and my passage was Jeremiah 31, which, I mean, that's not right. common, but I just saw so much rich beauty in there. Mm. Like, that enthusiasm helps people listen well. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, there you go. They can make fun of us together. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, this has been a really precious time. I'm so thankful that you agreed to join us today and to talk about your book, When Words Matter Most. Ladies, you can pre-order your copy through your favorite book retailer. I saw it on Amazon, so there you go. And it releases September 21st. But I encourage you to go ahead and pre-order it now. Crossway Books, we're very thankful for you and for publishing this treasure. And it's our prayer that it'll be a blessed tool for countless readers and especially our listeners who are getting a preview of it by listening today. And also thank you for your generous giveaway of this new book. Uh, five of our listeners and supporters will be getting a copy of this book for free. So we're very excited about that. And Crossway, as always, has been such a delight to work with. And you can connect with Cheryl at CherylMarshall.com. And you can connect with Caroline Neuheiser at CarolineNeuheiser.com. As always, we are extremely grateful for our producers of Women's Hope, the Masters University. We have the best production team around. Yes, no doubt. Women of Hope, we trust that you have a wonderful day proclaiming and praising the work of our wonderful Savior, whether it be in your office, at the breakfast table with littles, or in the grocery line at the store. Remember, your words matter, and make your conversations meaningful. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Master's University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. For more information on the Masters University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.